everybody, and thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen into our Hilco Global Smarter Perspective podcasts. As return listeners know by now, I'm your host, Steve Katz. And if this is your first time with us, as we always say, welcome. We're really glad that you could tune in. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about something that we've never really discussed before on the podcast, and that's big ticket assets and how they can offer a unique uh, set of advantages to the right investors, particularly uh, when they're well-informed and advised, which is exactly why our guest today is with us. And uh, our guest is Andy Bloomstock, Managing Director at Hilco Enterprise Valuation Services. So uh, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here, Steve. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're glad to have you on. Um, I know our listeners may not be familiar with big ticket assets, at least by that overarching classification, because I was not, although I was familiar with many of the assets that are grouped um, under that uh, nomenclature. Can you give us a bit of a primer just to get started? Sure thing, Steve. You know, if it can move large numbers of people or product from point A to point B and doesn't use a road to get there, then it's likely a big ticket transportation asset. So in the context of where we see them as financial instruments, this most commonly refers to commercial aircraft or shipping vessels or freight rail cars. But we also see standalone aircraft engines and business jets and helicopters, locomotives, and shipping containers. Uh, so similar to the over-the-road transportation assets we're all familiar with, like cars and trucks and trailers, these big ticket assets are often leased by operators for capital management purposes, to enable operational nimbleness, and to limit their exposure to, to obsolescence. So, Andy, these are clearly pretty expensive assets to acquire. So why would they be appealing to investors and what are the economics of owning them? Well, you are correct. These are often very, very expensive assets. Um, you know, as the name big ticket implies, this means big dollars, either on a per unit basis, such as a $300 million wide body aircraft or rail cars where an operator may re require thousands of them, um, which can run, you know, there's some out there, stainless steel tank cars could run 400 grand a pop. So rail car fleet portfolios readily will number in tens of thousands. And even when we talk about like shipping containers, we're talking about in the millions. Hmm. But, you know, importantly, these big dollar assets can operate for a very long time, typically 20, 30 years for aircraft and shipping vessels, as long as 50 years for freight rail cars. So in that way, there are some investment tenants that resemble real estate more than they do short-lived leased assets such as, such as vehicles. So given these distinct characteristics, operators of these assets often choose not to outright own their portfolios or for that matter, own any of the assets of, at all. Um, Steve, you very well may be a frequent flyer on an airline that doesn't own a single one of its planes. Yeah. Uh, so this is where the opportunity for a wide range of financial players, including private equity, hedge funds, pension funds, securitization originators and, and issuers, banks and pure play corporate less I could go on and on, you know, get involved and to achieve solid returns while providing a valuable financial service to, to operators. Um, you know, over the last 50 years, 
we've seen some of the largest big ticket transportation asset portfolios owned by enormous insurance companies, industrial conglomerates, you know, captive lessors, um, and some of the world's largest commercial banks. And while many of those, and in particular the commercial banks, are still big players, there are so many other investors that outright own or have significant financial stakes in, you know, a dozen or so shipping vessels or a handful of commercial aircraft. And some of them, you know, are just happy with that exposure and others have ambitions to scale even further. Um, so, you know, these assets, since they generate income through operating leases, we've also seen many of these structures pooled and packaged into asset-backed securities. So the opportunity to invest in these assets has become even more accessible. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a great um, way to frame it up because I think that there probably are a lot of investors who never really thought of um, of these types of assets as being accessible to them simply because of the of the costs involved. Um, but given the fact that they're that they're leased and pooled the way you're talking about, um, that kind of changes the equation. Are, are there additional advantages to holding big ticket items over the long term and leasing them then? Absolutely, Steve. The beauty of big ticket assets is that given these leases are typically structured as operating leases, so more like a rental model, the owner or the lessor holds a secured position in a fixed income-like arrangement where it's not unusual to see 10-year terms. But even better, following that first lease period, these assets may still have their best economic years ahead of them. As there are release options, there can be purchase options, and even many years down the road, these assets still have considerable value. So these assets remain valuable either in the hands of a lessor or in the hands potentially down the line for the lessee, because at the end of the day, these are often business essential assets to them. So standard industry practice, though, for leases of most of these high dollar big ticket asset classes include pretty rigorous contractual safeguards in order to protect the asset's physical condition and make sure they can fruitfully enjoy that that long, useful life. So this includes like maintenance escrow programs for the lessee to pay into to ensure there's ample cash to comply with routine and regulated maintenance requirements, as well as ensure the lessor isn't exposed to a costly uh, maintenance deed should the asset repossession occur. We're talking with certain aircraft maintenance events for a large one could be $10, $12 million. Uh, so you certainly don't want to be holding the bag there. Um, you know, also big ticket classes, they're generally fueled by GDP growth and the maturing of developing economies. And given their long useful lives, these assets can effectively ride out economic cycles, um, which makes them, uh, you know, pretty attractive and it allows, you know, owners to lever up significantly. So you pair that levering with equity returns that could readily exceed 20%. You know, these big ticket transportation assets offer a pretty unique opportunity to diversify a portfolio. What's also fairly unique to big ticket transportation assets compared to say those over the road assets, such as vehicles is that you can more fully optimize the returns on that initial purchase price. And what I mean by that is as these investments usually get exited 
through private treaty transactions as opposed to through an auction or through a wholesale middleman uh, where you can't achieve a full retail residual. In this case, you don't really give much away from the proceeds and you can model out your returns based on you know, full or near full fair market value of, of the asset at the end of its lease term. Yeah. Okay. All great uh, information. I'm trying to. I'm trying to digest it. I made a couple notes here. So, yeah. what what else do potential investors need to understand about this market? Because as you point out, there's a number of nuances to holding these assets, uh, like maintenance costs, and I would I would imagine things like regulatory requirements um, also. So, so what else? What else should people understand? Sure. You know what I tell financial players is that the beauty of these assets is there isn't necessarily a need to race the clock as you would with asset portfolios with shorter useful lives, where you've only got so long to try to achieve that return because eventually those assets are going to reach their end of life, either physically or or technologically. I mean, for these assets that are going to last 20, 30, 50 years, just do the math, right? The depreciation in any given year on average is going to be low single digits. And in some markets, you know, over short periods of time, these assets can actually appreciate. Yeah. So th- this means that time is really on your side to ride out recoveries and avoid having to make like rash decisions and setting into onerous releases or selling the assets into a down market where otherwise you're you're racing the depreciation curve. So look, during COVID, aircraft investors face the most challenging time period the aviation industry has ever seen. But most of them weathered the storm and aircraft values now are largely back in line with pre-pandemic levels for most aircraft airlines. There is also the opportunity to add diversification within a big ticket asset class to mitigate risk. So in commercial aircraft, we've got freighter aircraft and we've got passenger aircraft options. There are regional jets that can puddle jump passengers or jumbo jets that can shuttle passengers on those 15-hour international voyages. You know, shipping vessels range from oil tankers to bulkers to container ships to car car just to name a few. There, there, there's tons of them. Rail cars by far are probably the more most diverse, with you've got more than well over a hundred different car types out there in use, which support all sorts of industries and commodities. So you could create that diversification by virtue of the sectors that they that they support. Um, you, you alluded to regulation, and yes, big ticket transportation assets are highly regulated by safety and environmental authorities. So in the U.S., we've got the DOT, the Department of Transportation, we've got the FAA, the Federal Aviation Authority. Um, uh, globally, in the in the shipping industry. We've got the International Maritime Organization. And, you know, over the last decade alone, we've seen the impacts of these regulations, the impacts of aircraft model recalls um, uh, in in shipping new low sulfur, you know, fuel standards. Um, There's been, you know, we've all heard of some of these tragedies of certain rail car types. So some of the flammable commodities have had new regulations that have shaken things up for some of these assets. So, you know, 
Other investment options, though, are not immune to similar forces, just in different forms. So again, this is why pretty much every investing strategy will tell you you need to diversify. Uh, you know, lastly, I'd say while well, big ticket transportation assets require significant capital, there are also multiple ways an investor can dip their toe in the water. Minority stakes, uh, less expensive, used midlife assets, and smaller fleets, you know, are all very common methods that, you know, some of the current major players have used in the past to cut their teeth um, and, and eventually scale. So when you put it all together, you've got the long-term nature of the assets themselves, um, the range of methods available to monetize them under a highly levered, secured fixed income-like operating lease structure. You've got those high yields of proceeds at disposition. And then just the overall market fundamentals, you know, my opinion, make big ticket transportation ideal assets for investors to consider when they expand and diversify those portfolios. Fantastic. Really, really interesting stuff. And again, we had never really uh, discussed these types of assets as collectively as a group. Although, as I said, we had talked about, you know, things like tank cars uh, or aircraft um, uh, vessels ind- individually. Uh, and, and, and a lot of times we're talking about them in relation in recent years in relation to supply chain issues. So it's really interesting to sort of understand uh, them as an as a collective asset class and the potential for investing. So thanks so much uh, for your insights on that, Andy. Uh, we, we really should have you back on uh, in the future to discuss uh, something else that we may not have considered. So th- mm-hmm. thanks for being with us. And if listeners have uh, questions or want to discuss their specific situations and the potential for getting involved in big ticket assets, how should they get in touch with you? Yeah, no, no. First, Steve, great to join you today. I, I really appreciate it. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to assist anyone who has any questions. You can reach me at my email address, a Blumenstock, a b l u m e n s t o c k at hilcoglobal.com. Feel free to give me a ring at two one two six eight two six zero five eight, or or hit me up on LinkedIn. Love to talk to you. All right. Perfect. And listeners, as always, we hope that this Smarter Perspective podcast provided you with at least one key takeaway that you can put to good use in your business or share with a colleague or client to help make them that much more successful moving forward as well. And remember that you can check out more great podcasts and articles featuring timely insights from Hilco experts at hilcoglobal.com forward slash smarter dash perspectives. Until next time for Hilco Global, I'm Steve Katz.